Bibles and turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. John 14, we're going to begin once again. We're going to take for our text chapter 14, verses 15 uh, through 21. So read with me the Word of God. It says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you. And he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You also will live in that day. You will know that I am in my father and you and me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them. He it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. We've been, over the last few weeks, studying and talking about the work of of the Holy Spirit. And thinking about exactly what is it that the Holy Spirit does for us as Christians, as, as believers. I think most of us could at least name a few things that the Father does for us. And, and certainly we, we all know what the Son has done for us in dying on the cross in, in order to save us. But, but I think for many of us, we're, we're probably ignorant of many of the things that the Spirit does for us. What is the work and the ministry of the Spirit? Well, it's described in, in this passage and throughout these next few chapters of John. And one of the things that we find is that Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as this helper. You see that in verse 16. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. We said that that word is is a word that needs some explanation for us because as as is the case sometimes, uh, words are not easily translated uh, for a one-to-one kind of correlation. Sometimes we need an explanation of what a word means. And when we stop and, and think about what that word means... Uh, it, it has at least three different facets to it. It means, first of all, that he's our comforter. And some of your translations will, will translate that word. I'll give you another comforter. And uh, I said last week, you know, sometimes we hear that and we think of a quilt or something. But, but a comforter is someone who comforts you. It's someone that comes alongside of you when you're in going through a trial or some difficulty. And, and they strengthen you. They, they try to lift you up and build you up when you're, when you're struggling and that's, that's the work that the Spirit does for us. That's what we talked about last week. He, he comforts us. He helps us. He encourages us in our Christian walk. We've also seen that that word could really be translated an advocate. This is somebody that goes to bat for us. Somebody that stands in our place, that defends us, that makes our case. And we saw how Jesus in 1 John is called our advocate in heaven He's he's pleading our cause before the Father, but the Holy Spirit is our advocate here on earth. And we'll talk about that next week, exactly what all that entails. But simply put, the Holy Spirit is making our case to the world. But then there's this third way, and that's what we want to focus on this morning. Uh, The third way that this word can be used, and that is counselor. This is someone who instructs us and someone who teaches us. And so the Holy Spirit is our teacher he he instructs us as we think about the ministry of the holy spirit what we see in these passages is really that the work that the spirit does 
is just a continuation of the ministry of Jesus. So, so what would Jesus do for you if he were here, if he were living with you, like he walked with the disciples, like he talked with the disciples? What kinds of things did he do for them? What would he do for you if he were here now? Well, he, he would be your advocate. He would comfort you. He would strengthen you and he would teach you just like he taught the disciples. So everything that Jesus did while he was here for three and a half years ministering to his apostles, to the disciples, the Holy Spirit is now doing for us. He's continuing the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. That's why in chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says, I'll give you another helper. Remember, the whole context of this of this chapter is that Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going away. I'm going to be crucified and then I'm going back to heaven. I'm going to return to the father. And as you can imagine, the disciples would just be simply very saddened by that reality. And Jesus says, look, don't be sad. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'll come back to you. And one of the ways that he comes to us is through the Holy Spirit. I'll give you another helper. I've been your helper. I've been your advocate. I've been your teacher. I've been your counselor and so on. But now the Holy Spirit is going to come to you and he's going to do those very same thing. So this morning we want to consider how the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's he's our instructor. One thing that we notice here in this passage is that the, the Holy Spirit is the divine communicator of truth. He's the divine communicator of truth. You, you notice what it says in verse 17. In verse 16, he says, I'll give you another helper to be with you forever. And then he describes what, who is this comforter? What is the spirit? He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Here, he refers to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, this comforter, this helper, as the Spirit of truth. Now, what what is he saying when he refers to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth? Well, we know, right, as Scripture says, uh, refers to God and says, God who cannot lie. Right. We know that God himself in his nature, in his character, he's truthful. He doesn't lie. He doesn't say one thing and then do another. He doesn't say something and then and then not fulfill it. God is completely truthful. Scripture just you could run all through scripture and see over and over where God defends his truthfulness. This is an attribute of God. And as the Holy Spirit is one member of the Trinity, as he is God, the Holy Spirit is truthful as well. But but what he is describing here. It's not simply the fact that the Spirit is truthful, that He doesn't lie. He's making the point that the Spirit is the communicator of truth. We see this also in John 15. We kind of pick up on this in the way that Jesus describes it. In three different places throughout these chapters, He calls the Spirit the Spirit of truth. But He describes what the Spirit, what He means by that. So in John 15, verses 26 through 27... He says, but when the helper comes, when this advocate, counselor, comforter comes, when the Holy Spirit, the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the father. Again, he says, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will bear witness about me. So what will the Holy Spirit do? What is this spirit of truth? Well, the spirit will come to you and he will bear witness about Jesus Christ. He will tell you the truth about Christ, teach you the truth. Or again, in John 16, verses 12 through 15, 
Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you. Disciples, I've been walking with you for three and a half years and I've been teaching you. And that's all coming to the end is I'm going to go to the cross and then I'm going to rise again and I'm going to ascend back to heaven. That's that's coming to an end. But I still have many things to teach you, many things to tell you, but you cannot bear them now. You're, You're not at the point where you're going to be able to understand what I'm teaching you. But notice what he says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So in each of these instances, we see him referred to as the spirit of truth. Well, what does that mean? It means that he communicates the truth to us. Just as Jesus walked with and taught his disciples, they sit by the campfire. Jesus begins teaching them, telling them parables uh, and he would preach. And then then he would gather his disciples together and he'd sit them down and say, now, let me explain those parables to you. For three and a half years, he was their teacher. He was their counselor. He was their guide. He's saying, I've got so much more to teach you, but I'm, I'm going away. But but I'll send to you the spirit of truth. And when he comes, he'll reveal this truth to you. He will teach you all things. He'll take what is mine and declare it to you. He'll teach you the truth about me. Now, it says here in in that passage in John 16, verses 12 through 15, he says that he'll reveal to you all truth. Well, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean that anyone who's a Christian is going to be like an astrophysicist or or some kind of really intellectual person. When he says that he'll reveal all truth to you, he means that he'll reveal reveal all the truth about Jesus Christ. That's why he says in verse in chapter 15, he said he'll bear witness about me in chapter 16. He'll take what is mine and declare it to you. And then in chapter 14 that we read earlier, he says, I'll teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So the truth that he reveals to them is not all truth about everything. It's all truth in regards to Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has taught. Though the spirit is able to reveal any truth to anyone, this particular promise is that the spirit will teach us about Christ. They will teach the followers of Jesus Christ what Jesus taught and who Jesus is. So John Owen put it this way. He said he is called the spirit of truth because he's the revealer of all divine supernatural truth unto the church. Like he's also called the Holy Spirit because he's the author of all holiness in others. So he is here promised to the church as the spirit of truth because it is his work to lead us into all truth. So the spirit is the one that teaches us the truth about Jesus Christ. Well, what a great encouragement to us uh, that we have a divine Teacher, Christian, we are not left to just figure this out on our own. Sometimes you read Scripture and you say that, that there are so many things that are difficult in Scripture. And you look out to the world and you see there are so many teachers and one person saying this and another person saying that. There's so much religious confusion. Well, listen, you're in luck because if you're a believer, if you're one of Jesus' disciples, a follower of Christ, He has given you someone to instruct you and someone to teach you. And that is the Holy Spirit. What a great encouragement then. We're not we're not left to ourselves to just figure all of this out. The spirit comes alongside of us. He teaches us. He teaches us all things about Christ. 
Well, how does he communicate truth to us? What, in, in particular, what is it that the Spirit does to communicate this truth to us? Well, the first thing, we're going to see three things this morning, okay? How does the Spirit communicate truth to us? Three things. First of all, the Holy Spirit teaches us by giving us God's Word, the Bible. We have the textbook. The, the Spirit's our teacher, and He's the one who's written the textbook for us. He's the Spirit of truth. He, he gives us the Word of God. So in 2 Timothy 3.16, we know that passage, right? All Scripture is breathed out by God. We know that the Bible is, is God's Word. He's given it to us. But, but what does that mean that Scripture is breathed out by God? How, how, in particular, how did that come to be? How did we come to get the Scripture? What does that process look like? Well, what we find out in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20, is that that was the work of the Holy Spirit. So in 1 Peter 1, verse 20, you can turn there if you'd like, or it should be on the screen. 1 Peter 1, verse 20, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So this is the claim that Scripture makes about itself. That John didn't just decide to sit down and think up some things and write it down. It didn't come from his own interpretation of things. It didn't come from Paul's own interpretation of things or Peter's own interpretation of things. No, it says, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the first way that the Spirit communicates truth to us is by giving us the book of truth, the Bible. The, the Bible is the work product of the Holy Spirit. We have the Scriptures revealed to us because the Spirit moved on the heart of Paul. The Spirit moved on the heart of Peter or on the heart of John and, and moved them to inspire them to write Scripture. So we have the book of truth that comes from the Spirit of truth. Men received this Word from God, but in particular, it was the Holy Spirit who moved their hearts and minds to write the things that we have. We, we see this promise, I think, is given particular to the, the disciples, right? Just think about the apostles. If you've read the Gospels, one of the, thing that, the things that should be abundantly clear to you is that they seem to be lacking understanding all throughout the Gospels. Like they're sitting around just saying like, like he said that parable. Did you get that, John? Did you, did you understand what Jesus just said? And they're like, no, I, I didn't get it. Sometimes Peter will speak up and say something that he thinks it is, but it's really off the wall. And Jesus is like, no, that's not right. How did those men go from people that just didn't understand what Jesus was teaching to men who wrote the great truths that we find in Scripture so clearly laid out for us? What well, was this promise was fulfilled. The Holy Spirit came to them and he inspired them and he, he revealed all truth to them so that they understood the things that Jesus had, had told them before. Jesus said, the, the, the Spirit, when he comes, he'll bring to your remembrance all the things that I've taught you. And he'll lead you into all truth. And the reason that we have the New Testament is because that promise was fulfilled. John wrote and Peter wrote and later Paul wrote all of them because the Spirit opened their eyes and gave them understanding. As we think then about the Spirit's unique contribution to our salvation, this is, this is crucial. 
Again, the word of God is the foundation for our faith and it's the guide for our life. Without it, we wouldn't know who Christ is. Without it, we wouldn't know how to live. And we have it as a result of the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. So if it weren't for the Spirit, Christ's life and death would be a forgotten fact of history. We wouldn't know the gospel. We wouldn't know who God is if it were not for the ministry of the Holy Spirit and communicating truth to us. So if the if the Spirit did not give the Apostle John understanding and bring to his remembrance all the things that Jesus taught, then we would not know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We delight in that truth. We love that truth. But we only know that truth as a result of the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. If it were not for the Holy Spirit opening Paul's eyes, we would not know that we could be justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Jesus Christ. If it were not for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we would not know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. If it were not for the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we would not know that we can cast all of our cares on God because He cares for us. We would not know any of these things apart from the work of the Spirit. If it were not for the Spirit, the work of God the Father and the work of God the Son would be meaningless to us. It would be meaningless to us. It would be forgotten. We would not know it had the Spirit not communicated it to us. My aim in this is not to belittle the work of the Father in sending His Son or the work of the Son in dying on the cross for our our behalf. My, My point in all this is just for us to see that the Spirit's role is crucial in our salvation. Without the Spirit, we would not be saved. The Holy Spirit then plays an essential role in our salvation, no less meaningful than the role of the Father or the role of the Son. Truth, no matter how important it is, that is not communicated, doesn't benefit us. And that's the work of the Spirit, to communicate truth to us. The reason we know the gospel is because of the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit, first of all, then communicates truth by giving us the Word of God. But He also communicates truth, secondly, by giving us understanding of that word. Here, Jesus promises in 1426 of of John that the Spirit will lead us into all truth. And so the work of the Spirit is not only to give us the truth, but then to unfold it, to enlighten our minds so that we can understand the truth. That, That first word... The first work that we've seen is objective. It's it's external. The Word of God is the truth whether you understand it, whether you believe it or not. But now what we see is not only does the Spirit of God give us the Word, but then He works within our hearts and minds not only to help us understand it, but also to believe it. He does both of these things. He illuminates Scripture so that we can understand it. He gives us understanding. He leads us into all truth. It's kind of like this if we think about it this way. So you can imagine that, you know, like the world's greatest mathematician writes this, what everybody considers to be the best math textbook ever. And, and then you're given that textbook and, and said, okay, here you go. Well, that would be a great benefit to you. If you were really seeking to understand mathematics and you wanted to just really dive into it and understand it, but, but all of us, maybe I'll use myself as an example, wasn't great in math, right? My own limitations 
keep me from really understanding so much of written what's written in the textbook. The, the textbook could be perfect in so many ways. This could be the perfect textbook for, for mathematics. But my mind isn't perfect. And I'm unable to understand a lot of things. And that's the way it is with the Word of God. The Spirit has inspired and given us the perfect Word of God. But for many of us, we have difficulty understanding it. Now this is the second work of the Spirit to come and to illuminate our minds and to give us understanding of the text. Of the truth. And this analogy, as good as that is, so you just imagine this person then, uh, this, this person that's written this, this textbook then, comes to you and he moves in he becomes your companion and day in and day out he's there with you he's got the textbook but he's sitting right next to you and as you go line by line example problem by example problem he's sitting there explaining it to you and helping you that's going to be that's going to be a much better benefit right the, the, the book alone isn't going to do you much good, but, but if the author himself were to come and be your constant daily companion, that would, that would go a long way in helping you understand the, the truth that's found in that book. And that's what we have in the Holy Spirit. We have a companion. Jesus says this spirit of truth who will come to, to you, he will make his home with you, he will be with you forever. That's what we have, Christian. So, so I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but just jump right to it. Like We don't have an excuse we, we can't say, you know, spiritual things or, or the Bible's just too complicated. You know, maybe preachers can study that. Maybe certain people that are deacons are really, really high on the spiritual uh, totem pole, so to speak. No, all Christians, all of us have the Holy Spirit and he is for all of us the divine teacher and communicator. So I've seen this over and over in my life, how people who are truly followers of Christ, even some of them who who are limited in their natural capacities, right? They're not super intelligent people, but they've given themselves to listen to preaching and to read the Word of God, to memorize the Word of God, to meditate on the Word of God, and they have an understanding of God's Word that, that far outshines many of ours. They didn't just say, you know, I, I just don't have time for that. I can't understand the Bible. That's not an excuse for us. We have a divine teacher who comes alongside of us, who enables us supernaturally to understand the Word of God. And as good as that analogy was, I thought it was a pretty good analogy, of, of the teacher that comes to us, it, even that falls short because He's still external to us. The Spirit works within us. Imagine if that teacher were able to kind of take His knowledge and implant it into your mind. And that's what the Spirit can do. He, he can enlighten our mind and help us to understand the Word of God. This means then, I think, first of all, uh, that we need to be those who are seeking to understand the Word of God. Are there things in Scripture and truths in Scripture that are difficult? Yes, but they're not beyond us with the divine help, with the divine teacher, the Holy Spirit. So let's not just say, uh, you know, I just wash my hands. I'm not doing Bible reading. I'll come to church and kind of listen to the preaching, but I'm not going to dig in. I'm not going to study. I'm not going to meditate. I can't, I can't memorize. No, no, no. You have the Spirit coming alongside of you and helping you. So you're without excuse. If you are a Christian, you have help. What this also means, though, as we apply this truth, is I think that we need, as we're going to the Word of God, and I think this is where many of us are perhaps lacking in our spiritual life, we need to seek that divine help. We need to pray to God. We need to ask the Spirit to come and, and illuminate Scripture for us. 
For so many people, the reading of God's Word is just a cold, meaningless exercise because they have not sought the help of the Holy Spirit. As we come to Scripture, the first thing that I always do when I open up the Word of God, when I'm studying a sermon or doing my own own Bible reading, is to come in a prayerful attitude seeking the help of the Spirit. Yes, I've been to seminary. Yes, I've I've had some formal training. But there's no training that can outstrip or, or outshine the work of the Spirit in the life of the believer. You have the greatest help that you can have in the Holy Spirit. He gives us divine illumination. The third thing that we see this morning is that the Spirit, not only does He give us the truth, not only does He help us understand the truth, but then He convinces us of the truth. The work of the Spirit is a work of enlightening our minds, but it's also a work of convincing our hearts. You know, it's one thing to know the truth in a purely cognitive way. You know, anybody with with much intelligence can read the scripture and and if they're they're reading and studying, they can come to a pretty good idea of what the scripture is teaching, what what it what that is. But for so many that that's where it stops. But the work of the spirit in the life of the believer is to convince us of the truthfulness of scripture. This is the the third way that he teaches us. He he not only helps us understand it, he not only gives us the truth, but he convinces us of its truthfulness. Matthew Henry said it this way, to be led into a truth is more than merely to know it. It is to be intimately and experientially acquainted with it. To be piously and and strongly affected with it. Not only to have a notion of it in our heads, but to relish and savor its power in our hearts. And that, too, is a work of the Holy Spirit. Not only does he give us understanding, but he causes us to love the truth. We don't just know it. We we love it. This is the work of the spirit. Then first to give us God's word, then to give us an understanding of God's word. And finally, to give us a conviction of God's word. You see, the Bible isn't just meant to be read and understood. Like if that's what you're here doing and, and, and some people like that, like they like to learn and, and to grow uh, intellectually. And some people, they, they thrive on that. But look, Christian, for us, it's, it's more than that, right? It's more than just that we, we've grown in our understanding of the word of God. It's that we've grown in our love for God himself and our, our love of the truth and our obedience to the truth. And that, too, is a work of the Spirit. You see, our problem when it comes to truth isn't just a cognitive problem. Sometimes we, have, sometimes we lack understanding, and the Spirit can come and, and help, us, help us with that. But our problem isn't just a mental, cognitive problem. Our problem when it comes to truth is a spiritual problem. That we don't believe the truth. Our, our greatest problem is a spiritual problem that in our darkness... And the blindness of our heart, we're unwilling to believe the truth. Scripture is, is clear about this. In 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians rather, it says that Satan has blinded our, our eyes. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, it says, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers. See, our problem isn't just cognitive. It's not just, well, you know, if, if my brother, if my neighbor 
If my friend at work, if they could just understand the word a little bit better, if somebody were able to explain it a little more clearly to them, well, then maybe they would believe. No, the the problem is greater than that. There's a a spiritual uh, battle that's going on and Satan is at work blinding our eyes to the truth and to the glory of the gospel. And so this is the third way that the Spirit must work. But not only that, it's not just that, that, the, that the Satan is coming and blinding our eyes to the truth. It's also that in our sinful condition, we don't love the truth. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. It's foolishness. See, our problem isn't just that we don't understand the truth. Our problem is that when we do understand the truth, when we hear the preacher and we understand exactly what he's saying, when we read scripture and we understand exactly what the gospel is saying, we turn away from it because we think it's foolish. We do not believe the word of the cross is foolishness. It is folly to those who are being uh, to those uh, of the world. So the spirit then must teach us. He must not only reveal truth to us, he he must not only help us understand the truth, but he's got to convince us of the truthfulness of of truth. And that's what we see in 1 Corinthians. You can turn there, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. says, Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. And listen to this. None of the rulers of this age understood this. Was it a cognitive problem? Did they not simply, you know, they were just too dumb. Their intellect wasn't high enough for them to understand. No, he's saying here there's a spiritual problem. The rulers of this age didn't understand in that they didn't receive it as the truth. They didn't believe it. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things, Paul says, this truth, the gospel, these things God has revealed to us through his spirit. Paul's saying we receive this By way of the Holy Spirit. The world didn't receive it. To them it's foolishness, he said in 1 Corinthians. It's it's folly to them. But the Spirit has divinely revealed it to us. He's made it clear to us. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the Spirit of that person, which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, notice what he says here. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we might understand the things freely given unto us. The spirit is the one who who convicts us, who convinces us of the truth. That's what Paul is saying here. The world, the rulers of this world, they didn't understand it. They rejected Christ. They, they crucified Him. They did not accept the truth. They did not believe it. But the Spirit has been revealed, has, has revealed this truth to us. See, in our, our sin, 
And in, in this state of Satan blinding us to the truth, we're, we're blinded. We don't receive the truth. And so the Spirit of God has to come in like a, like a light and shine into our hearts and, and convince us of the truthfulness of the truth. That's exactly what he's saying there, isn't it? That the Spirit is the one who, who convinces us that this is true so that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So we must receive the truth by the Spirit. He goes on in 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. And we impart. So Paul's saying, that's what happened to us. We received the truth by the Spirit. And now he's saying, we're trying to impart this truth to you. So in verse 13, we impart this, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So what's the problem? Why does the Spirit have to do this work? Why can't somebody just hear the gospel and believe it? Why, why can't they just hear the truth and say, yeah, that's true. I, I believe that. Well, he goes on to say this. And listen to this, this is what Jared read earlier. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. You see that? The natural person, that's us apart from the Spirit. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them, for they are spiritually discerned. So this is, this is what's going on. We must be, uh, have the Spirit at work revealing truth to us and convincing us of its truthfulness. This is what Jesus told the Pharisees. Why didn't the Pharisees, why did, why did they reject him? Why did they not believe in him? Jesus said in John 6, 43, no one comes unto, unto me, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws, draws them. Everyone, he says, who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Pharisees, you're rejecting me and you're rejecting my teaching. And the problem is that no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. No one can come to Christ. No one will believe the truth in their sinful condition unless the Spirit comes in and convinces them of the truth. This is what I think Paul was saying about the Thessalonians as well. He was encouraged by them because they had received the truth. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Verse 2, he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work and faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. We know that God has chosen you Thessalonians. Paul, how do you know that God chose them for salvation. How do you know that, that that is the case? He says, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. The evidence that God is at work is when the preacher stands up and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it goes over some people's heads. It goes in one ear, and out one ear, out the other ear. Some people are unaffected by it. Some people go out and think, that's crazy. I can't believe people believe that. Some say, well, that seems true, but I, I'm just not ready to give my heart and life to Christ. And so there are all kinds of various different reactions. But how do we know that God has chosen someone for salvation? They hear that 
And they don't just hear it as a cold, dead word preached from a preacher or read from Scripture. They hear it and they believe it. It comes with full conviction and with power, with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God changes them. This is why, you know, I can think back on my life and remember back to growing up in, in church and seeing people come in and out of church. And I remember several different people that were, were at church on a regular basis. They were unconverted. Maybe they had a family member and they would come to church with them. And then one day, they would hear it and they would believe it. They, they would repent of their sins and they would turn to Christ. What happened the previous 10 years when they sat in the church pew day after day or Sunday after Sunday hearing the same things over and over again? We, we preachers, we, we've got a limited script here. Uh, we, we, we preach the same things over and over again and that's good. That's what we're called to do. Uh, and, and so they hear the same things over and over again and they come in and out, never any change. And then one day they believe the gospel and their life is completely turned upside down and it's changed. What change? Paul says here that when that happens, you know that the spirit of God has come with them. So so the word comes and they hear it. They hear it and they hear it. But then when the word comes and the spirit comes illuminating that truth, convincing them of the truthfulness, they, they, they read it as if for the first time because they believe it now and they turn to Christ and they're saved. It's a totally different thing. This is what Paul said. He goes on in in first Thessalonians in chapter two. This is what he said about those people in Thess- Thessalonica. Thessalonica. That's a difficult one. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, he says, And we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, we came and we preached the gospel to you, we preached the truth to you. We thank God that when you heard what we preach, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. And when that happens... That's a result of the Holy Spirit. That's a result of the Holy Spirit. When somebody reads the Bible and they say, yeah, some, there's some good truth there. Jesus seems like he was a pretty good dude and these apostles. There's, there's some good stuff in the Bible and maybe I'll try to put it into practice. But then there's this difference when somebody reads it and they say, this is, this is the Word of God. I believe it. I'm giving my life to follow Christ. I'm, I'm trusting it. I'm following it. When that happens... The Holy Spirit's been at work revealing truth. And this is the third way that the Spirit works. So as we apply this last point this morning and we come to a close, let's let's just think about this. Then, first of all, if you're here this morning and you're wrestling with with the truth, maybe maybe you're that person. Maybe you're even a church member and you've heard the gospel over and over again. But if you're truthful with us here this morning, it's never really been convincing in your heart. You've heard it. You believe it. You kind of come to church. There's there's some good stuff there. But in your heart of hearts, you've never fully trusted in Christ. You've never really seen the the Bible as the Word of God and submitted your heart and life to it. If, If that's the case this morning, you need to pray to God and ask that the Spirit of God will come this morning and open your eyes because apart from the Spirit of God working you, working in you, you will not come to believe it in a saving way. A second application is this. As we think about, as we think about our, our relatives, our co-workers, as we think about hopefully the people we're trying to share the gospel with, we think, man, I, I've told them the truth. 
I've shared the scripture with them. I guess there really is just no hope. I guess they, they just don't believe there is hope. Because if the Spirit of God comes, He can change their heart. He can give, He can take off the blinders and let them see the truth. So we need to be praying, whether it's for our children or, or our brothers or sisters or whoever it is that, that our hearts are burdened for. And we think about, man, I wish they'd be saved. I wish they'd believe in Jesus Christ. I wish they'd give their heart and life to them. Don't just think, well, I got to come up with better arguments. Maybe I need to study apologetics. The, the greatest thing that you can do for your unbelieving friends and, and family members is to pray that the Spirit of God will come upon them and reveal the truth to them. Pray that He will teach them in the way that you have been taught. This is the work that the Spirit does. He is our teacher. He gives us the truth. He helps us understand the truth. And finally, He convinces us that the truth is the truth. Will you pray with me this morning? Our Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Spirit. We thank You, Lord.